Today, I'm speaking with my good friend Shelley Lefko from EliminateBeliefs.com. Now, we are talking about some of the beliefs that we carry with us through life that are holding us back from having the love or the wealth or the life that we want. And she's going to give us some tips on how we can release those. So, enjoy. Make sure to grab the official Not Over Just Different Welcome Pack. It's filled with some of the best tools for inspiring your best life, all absolutely free. Just go to notoverjustdifferent.com forward slash welcome gift to download yours now. Hi, I'm Natalie Ledwell and welcome to Not Over Just Different, a podcast for women of a respectable age facing life's next new chapter. So grab a cup of tea and pour yourself a glass of wine and join me for some deep, real and candid conversations about everything from health, aging gracefully, relationships and how to make the next 50 years even better than the first. Well, hello everyone and welcome to the podcast for this week. This week, I have my very good friend, Shelley Lefko. Hi, Shelley. How are you, darling? Hi, Hi sweetheart. It's so good to be with you. Uh, it's always good to be with you. Uh, and uh, our subject that we're talking about uh, this week is definitely a lot to do with um, our inner self-talk. You know, these beliefs that we carry through with us in our lives that hold us back from having the success that we want, from creating the wealth that we want, or to really surrendering into the love that we want. Mm. And, uh, and you know, once we understand what these are and where they come from, which Shelley is going to enlighten us on this month, this week, um, you know, being able to, to understand how to release that because as we go through life, different situations become these catalyzing events that bring these beliefs to the surface. Mm. You know, if you're in a new business, a new career, if you have a new friend or you're in a new love relationship, you know, whatever that is, sometimes that in itself, and, you know, I truly believe that people come into our lives to help us to grow, to help us to evolve if we choose to, to, to you know, take that mantle or if we choose to take that and run with it. Uh, so, uh, so why don't we start initially with, uh, you know, when we're talking about these beliefs, what's, what's your definition of that? What, what do we mean by that? Yeah. Thanks, Nat. And I, I, we call them AFCOs. I AFCOs. told a client yesterday what an AFCO was and she had never heard that before. So it's another fucking growth experience. Oh yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so a belief is a statement about reality that we think is the truth. So it's not like wishy-washy, it's not maybe or sometimes a belief, it's a statement about reality that we think is the truth. And if and the reason that people talk about limiting beliefs, all beliefs are limiting because a belief is a box. But beliefs, if you think something is true, then something's not. There's no possibility. It's just a box. Right. And anything outside that box is impossible whether it's behavior, emotions, or anything else. Right. So we hang on to these beliefs as part of our personality or part of the, you know, how we operate through life? Yeah. Um, I love that question because very few people can say why beliefs stay with us, not just through our lifetimes, Nat, but I've had literally five Harvard PhDs who had the belief, I'm stupid. And I always 
people always say to me, Shelly, I've read every business book about mistakes and failures or learning opportunities, and you have to make them, but I still can't. My boss told me he's going to fire me if I don't take more risks. I still can't do it. And here's why. We come into this world as a little ball of consciousness, and we don't know anything. So until you make distinctions, they don't exist, right? right? You bring distinctions into existence by creating or distinguishing them. So we don't know if we're good enough or not good enough, important or not important, lovable or not lovable. And what happens is we come into this world and we ever, when, you know, I ask parents in every country around the world, what is the one word question your child asks all day long? Why? And why? Exactly. Exactly. Why? Why that? Why that? <laughs> why? Why can't I have dessert? Why can't I have a play date? Why is the sky blue? Why do you have to go to work? Why do I have to go to sleep? Right? So what children want, every child alive, is affection, attention, and acknowledgement. So why am I getting criticized all the time? Yes, I'm not good enough. Why am I not getting attention? Well, I guess I'm not important. Why is nobody kissing and hugging me? Well, I guess I'm not lovable. Because you look at your parents and they're grown and big and they can do everything and they look like they know everything. So it must be you. Plus, your survival depends on them. Mm. Now, here's here's why evidence doesn't get rid of beliefs. We think we see our beliefs in the world. And you can't not believe something you think you saw. So when I said to my first Harvard PhD who had the belief, I'm stupid, I did the process with him and I got to the place where I asked, doesn't it seem like you saw I'm stupid? And he said, every day of my life. Now, what he saw was his father say, he used to hit him on the back of the head and say, genius, genius. He saw his father criticize him and belittle him and demean him. Hmm. But it feels like we're seeing I'm not good enough. Now, if somebody said to you, oh, I know your friend Shelly, she's blonde. You'd say, no, my friend Shelly's a redhead. Hmm. And they'd say, well, no, she's blonde. And you'd say, sorry, she's a redhead. Because you saw that I have red hair. And unless I took my wig off, you wouldn't, you'd fight to the death. So when you think you see something, it's true. Right. And evidence doesn't get rid of it. But yes, and I think the reason we see it is because we're looking through the filter of that belief. So what we're seeing isn't necessarily reinforcing that you're stupid, but because that's the lens that you look through, that's how you interpret the event. Exactly. Right. Exactly. After the belief gets formed. Right. See, because meaning comes first. And I'm going to, at the end, I'll give you all a gift (laughs) about meaning. Meaning always takes place in your mind, right? right? Uh, You know, we were in um, 
uh, we're in a group together, you and I, and I went over to one of your dear friends and I said, how come you don't like us? And she said, we don't like you. We thought you you didn't invite us into your group. You know, but all this time we're going, oh, those are the young ones. They they hang together <laughs> and we make up meaning in our heads, right. you know, that is not true. It's just meaning. So when we're kids, we give meaning to an event and then we give the meaning again and then it becomes and then we start believing it. Right. So then you're right. We see through this filter of, oh, see, I'm not important. I told you I'm not important. Yeah. No, I, I, I the perfect example for me is when I was married. Um, in my 30s, I really struggled with my body image. Uh, and it wasn't like I was overweight. You know, I, I used to be an aerobics instructor in my 20s, so I had the body from hell. It was amazing. Um, but then I owned a nightclub and blah, 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 lifestyle. And, you know, so I started to put on weight. Uh, and, you know, years later I realized that because, you know, I was always a thin child. I'm thinking, where does this come from? Like why, why am I beating myself up about my body so much? And then I remember going home and visiting my mum and she's like, oh, I caught up with such and such from school. She's put on a bit of weight. And I'm like, oh, there it is. <laughs> oh, totally. Now I see. Even though it was never directed at me, it's something that I observed. But um, – but it really uh, it affected my body image so much that I it really affected how intimate I was with my husband. And he would, you know, we'd go out for dinner, and and I'd I've already beaten myself up severely mentally, getting dressed and finding something that I think I look nice in. We get into the elevator to go out, and he goes, "You look, you're dressed really nicely right now." Like he'd make a comment on what I was wearing. Now, in my mind, because I'm in this completely different place, this completely different filter, I'm like, oh, yeah, comment on my clothes but not my body. Mm. You know, Mm. I was like I was just creating Mm. scenarios that didn't exist because I was looking through that lens. Yes. My mother, who was an angel, she was the best mother on the planet, but weight was her thing. She used to look at thin women and say, she had an expression, if I looked like that, what would fail my life? And I grew up with the belief that if I was thin, I would be happy. And that was all that mattered. That was the most important thing in the world. And I too, in fact, she, I have a big butt. And she used to say, So this is how you cover your butt. You wear big shirts. And I used to wear these big tops with leggings. And you know, I'm very tiny. And one day somebody said to me, Shelly, why do you wear those big tops? They make you look twice your size. And I was like, oh, but I thought I was covering, Mm. hiding my body. Right. Yeah. You see, when it comes to achieving success, whether it's financial or even spiritual, the outlook we have on life really has the power to determine the opportunities we attract. This is why it can sometimes feel like things happen to you and not for you, almost like there's an internal block keeping you from experiencing life the way that you want. But if you're ready to start living life on your terms, 
and want to free yourself from the self-sabotage that's keeping you from your power and freedom, then head over to notoverjustdifferent.com forward slash success training for a free workshop where the legendary Mary Morrissey and I help you to open your eyes to what's really holding you back in life. Our online training is something that you don't want to miss, and it's available to you absolutely free. So again, head over to notoverjustdifferent.com forward slash success training to claim your ticket, and I'll see you there. So, Yeah, no, I think we all have that. And as I was saying before, like we'll have different, um, you know, different uh, relationships and things that show up. And you and I were, were briefly talking about my current relationship and how, you know, my beliefs and my triggers are coming up, you know. And for me, uh, you know, being told what to do, I have managed to engineer my life so I never have to be told what to do. Mm. And now I'm in this relationship with this man who is my perfect partner. He is everything that I asked for. And I'm so in love with this man. And yet his way of communicating is to tell me what to do. <laughs> and he doesn't mean any malice by it. It's, it's nothing like that. But but it just like uh, it's it bristles me. Yeah. And I've had to really work a lot on that because he's not trying to, you know, order me around. It's just, you know, he's used to, you know, manage a, a big business. So he was the boss and was always having to delegate and, you know, tell people to. He had father of four kids. So he's always been that kind of in charge kind of person. So this is the way that he communicates. Um, and so it was interesting how that was, those beliefs were coming up for me as well. I'm like, you're just trying to keep me down kind of thing. And I'm like, nope, that's not what's happening. <laughs> but that was the lens that I was looking through. <laughs> yeah. We have a great process. It's like the Pavlov's dog process and it's to get rid of triggered emotions. Mm -hmm. And what's very um, cool about that, this process is just like Pavlov's dog with the food and the bell, when you're a kid and you're told what to do and you have no choice, what happens is every time you're told what to do, you feel powerless and it's the powerlessness that makes you angry, not being told what to do. Yeah. And the only reason you feel powerless, you sorry, you feel angry today is because as a kid, we never make that distinction. Right. But imagine if every time you were told what to do as a kid, your mom said, or your dad said, well, you could do it now or you could do it later, or you could do it this way or that way, or you have to do this. And you said, well, I don't want to do it. That's not fair. And they had a negotiation and sometimes you won and sometimes you didn't. Hmm. When somebody told you what to do, you wouldn't feel angry because right. you don't associate it with powerlessness. Yeah. Well, that's actually a very important point because one of my fears going into a relationship of any kind is losing my autonomy or losing my freedom. Um, Interesting. And that's not, I mean, that's up to me. You know, that's got nothing to do with my partner. That's me. No, but that's not an uncommon belief. Mm. So I, the, the very first time I ever saw Morty do this process with someone, it was his ex-wife and she said, I want a relationship. I don't know why I want to get married again. And she was a very close friend. She mm. still is. 
And he looked at her and he says, well, what do you believe about marriage or relationships? And Nat, out of her mouth came, well, relationships of marriage is suffocating and you lose your autonomy and you, you know, you have to, and she just started spewing these beliefs. And, you know, she watched, you know, her mother lose herself and, and, you know, not have any space to be. And, you know, it's so fascinating because we look at our parents' relationship and we go, oh, relationships don't work or relationships are suffocating or you lose yourself. And then we grow up and powerful women like you and I are just like, yeah, no. I, when I met Morty, this is so funny. I was single. I lived alone for seven years in, in New York City and very into, and I sat down and I said to him, so I want you to know that I'm very independent. I am not going to ever ask your permission. I'm going to go away for weekends with my girlfriends. And I'm sitting there and he's like, looking at me like, okay. <laughs> I was like, that's fine. But I had to, you know, make sure he knew what he was getting into, yeah. you know? So, um, so we definitely, our beliefs kind of can make us react reactive as opposed to responsive. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's um, it's been a big lesson for me as well. And if you're li- listening to this podcast um, and you find that there's something that uh, when you're in conversation or in, you know, connection and something triggers you or you have this um, unexplainable emotional response <laughs> or reaction <laughs> to what's going on, more likely than not, it is connected to some kind of belief or some kind of, um, you know, paradigm that we have that we believe that we're being limited. Now, one of the things that we don't want to do, because, you know, it's interesting we're having this conversation because that's how I felt at the end of my marriage. I'm being suffocated. I'm being held back. I don't, you know, I don't have my own autonomy. And again, once Glenn and I split up and I'm like, ooh, okay, I can't blame him anymore. It's on me. And then I realized I had this ability the entire time. Uh, I was just holding myself back. Um, I think that when we get into the place of blame, that's also an indication that, wait a minute, I need to have a look and and try and figure out where what this belief is. So if if anyone's listening to the podcast and that is their situation, you go, oh yeah, I'm I, I I'm with you on this whole situation. What are some of the things they can do to help to, you know, release that or to move through it in a way that they, you know, feel empowered again? Yeah. So I can tell you, you know, I could give your listeners a a free gift to how to eliminate a belief for free Mm -hmm. later. But in the moment, so remember a few minutes ago, I said meaning is inside your mind, right? I'm never going to do this. You know, if you're playing a sport, I play pickleball, you know, and if I hit it out of bounds and I go, oh God, I suck. And I start giving it meaning. The next shot is going to be awful. But if I say, okay, what do I know for sure? Because I just hit that out. And the answer is nothing. So events have no inherent meaning. Meaning is never in an event. Natalie didn't talk to me. There's no meaning in that. I have to say, Natalie, what's going on? What's up? And talk to her. But that meaning, my husband died. Worst thing that ever happened to me in my life. Nat knows we had an amazing, amazing 35-year marriage. Mm -hmm. Grieving was healthy. 
I cried and cried and cried. Not getting out of bed, not healthy. So I used this tool that I'm going to teach you. What happened? Morty died. What meaning did I give it? I don't know how to run a business. I'm going to starve to death. Now I'm left with this business, right? Well, it could mean that. And it could mean that I get to step up, pick my friend's brains, learn how to do this. And we had the best year we ever had the year year after he died. So the fact that he died, it's not that it doesn't matter or it's no big deal. What the it has no inherent meaning is to say we don't know anything for sure because something happened. Right. Next day, I don't want to get out of bed. I'm I'm miserable. What happened? Morty died. What meaning are you giving it? I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. It could mean that. It could mean you have a second act in you. I'm a hot tamale, passionate broad, full of life. I absolutely can have a second act. Yeah, you can. (laughs) But the the fact that he died has no meaning. It doesn't tell you anything. So whenever you have a negative emotion, stop and ask yourself immediately, what just happened? The guy didn't call me. What meaning did you give it? He doesn't, he's not into me. What else could it mean? This happened to me. I went on one date and the guy didn't call. And I called him up and I said something and making a long story short. And he said, Shelly, my aunt died. And I was very close to her and I was with her for the whole week. So instead of asking, why didn't you call I was accusatory because he said he would call and he didn't. So I gave it the meaning. He he broke his promise. He didn't call. He doesn't like me, right? The events have no meaning. You don't know anything for sure because something happened. Your boss yells at you. Oh, he's going to fire me. What else could it mean? He just, his wife asked him for a divorce last night. What does it really mean? It has no meaning. Meaning is inside your head. It's not in events. And when you do that, the emotion will go away. And then you can respond instead of react. Now, if you have a belief, because mostly meanings come from beliefs. So if you believe people can't be trusted and your friend says something, you're going to, oh, she must have told everybody. You give it meaning. If you have a belief, um, people don't like me. I'm not likable. Somebody walks past you and doesn't say hello. Oh, see, they don't like me. So ultimately, you want to get rid of your beliefs so you stop giving meaning. Hmm. But in the moment, it's a very powerful tool. And you kind of hit the nail on the head when it comes to detaching emotionally from the event. Mm-hmm. which can be a bit of a challenge, especially if it's, you know, a, a conversation you're having with someone that you love or, you know, someone who's close to you. But for me, it's like it's it's taking that breath or, a, or when I notice that I'm like starting to get, you know, emotional, I'm like, all right, we need to press pause on this for the moment. 
so that I can go and have a breath and catch myself and, and, and then ask myself the question, why am I feeling this? Like, where is this coming from? Um, because sometimes it's, I know what, what it is and I just need to take a breath and calm down so that I can continue the conversation or I really need to go into some deeper inquiry. That's later. But in the moment, if, um, uh, Glenn told you what to do and you got angry, you can stop and say, okay, it could mean he's trying to keep me down, but it could also mean he's just used to telling people what to do and he loves me and cares about me and he thinks he's helping me. Yeah. But the fact that he just told me what to do doesn't have any inherent meaning. I don't know anything for sure. You know, my my mother, we have a course called the Occurring Course, and we teach people how to do this for 10 weeks. And my mother took it. My parents were married 73 years, Nat. Wow. And for 73 years, they fought. And they argued. Morty couldn't stand to go there because they would argue. After she did the Occurring Course, he would say, you left the glass on the table. And she would, instead of getting giving it the meaning, he thinks I'm a baby or he has to tell me what to do, or he thinks I'm an idiot. That was the big meaning she used to give. He thinks I'm an idiot. I did because, oh, you did this again, or oh, you did that. She said, well, it could mean that. And it could mean that he is losing a lot of power in his life and needs to have power over something. Hmm. But the fact that he told me, to do it doesn't mean anything. I could do it, not do it, ignore. So she'd say, thanks, Jackie. And he would go like this. There was nothing to say. Yeah. He'd say, you left your sweat. Thanks, Jackie. Mm. They stopped fighting. I called Morty. I said, you got to come down here. You got to come down here. They're not fighting. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a miracle. <laughs> well, that's the thing. And we can get into these um these just uh, these loops, you know, we can get in loops in conversation. We get loops in arguments. We can get in loops in our mind, you know, and a lot of it is our beliefs that are keeping us stuck in the loop because we are, like we said before, looking through those filters. That's so we're tainting everything that we see. We're putting, giving meaning to it that's not actually there um, and keeping ourselves stuck in this this prison, this mental prison. One of the most fascinating sessions, it was God, probably 25 years ago, but I was I used to do in-person sessions. And this guy came in and I said to him, what's your pattern? Because we start with a pattern. What do you want to work on? We don't start with beliefs. Nobody cares about eliminating beliefs. You want to get rid of a pattern. So a pattern is observable, right? Like I procrastinate. I am stressed out all the time. That's a pattern. He says to me, I'm cheating on my wife and I don't want to cheat on her. And he starts crying. Very, It's a very powerful guy. He owned a newspaper chain or something. I'll never forget it. And he said, I love my wife. I don't want to cheat on her. Do you know what his beliefs were? No. I'm not important. And what makes me, I'm not lovable. Sorry, I'm not lovable. What makes me lovable is being wanted by a woman. So he didn't feel lovable because when he was a kid, his mother was never around. 
Um, and she wasn't very warm and affectionate. So he concluded, I'm not lovable. And then one day a woman wanted him and he felt lovable for the first time. So it became, we call them survival strategies. They're mm -hmm. driven behaviors, right? If you believe what makes you good enough, yeah, I'm not good enough. What makes me good enough is achieving things. You become a workaholic. So now I have this belief, I'm not good enough. But what makes me good enough is achieving things. So this, this belief keeps this beach ball underwater, right? So as long as I'm achieving, my I'm not good enough is not in my face. If I go home and I go to my kid's game, all of a sudden, I'm not good enough is in my face, you know? So, and that's why I also scream at my kid because he didn't get a, a, a goal because what makes me good enough are my achievements. And now my kid just became my achievement. Right. 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 So. So the survived, but what was fascinating is he didn't want to cheat on his wife. He wasn't like people would say, oh, he's a scumbag. He's, he's so awful. No, he has a belief that in order to be lovable, women have to want him. Right. And as long as he has that belief, I think Bill Clinton has that belief. Right. So his mother was a gambler and she wasn't around. If you read his book, you know, same thing. So it we're going back to meaning the meaning is the belief is well if you cheat on your wife you're a you're a terrible person and you're now he came to work on it which i so acknowledged him for and when he got rid of the beliefs he stopped cheating mm. right so I know you were talking a little before about a gift that's going to help us with these beliefs because you know Ladies, we're at a time in our life that if we've been carrying these things around our entire lives, it's time for us to release them and let them go. <laughs> mm. You know, um, we are at the point in our life where we are, you know, we're ready to go into this next chapter. And we want to go into this next chapter like clean and, you know, ready to enjoy everything that life has for us. And if we, and haven't, I, if we haven't experienced it until now, it's because our beliefs have been holding us back. Yeah. And I love what you said, Nat, about blame, because as long as you're blaming the other person, you're powerless. Yep. You can't do anything about the other person, but you can change you. Mm -hmm. You could grow you. And that's what I love about all work, you know, is it's about, you know, sisters, let's take this on, you know, let's. When you get to the end of your life, you don't want to turn around and go, eh, you want to turn around and go, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it again. <laughs> I came, I conquered, and I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, so, so tell it, us yeah, about that gift, darling. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, so the three most common beliefs that people have are I'm not good enough, I'm not important, and mistakes and failures are bad. Uh, and so if you go to eliminatebeliefs.com, you can eliminate um, one of those three beliefs for free and um, uh, and you'll see how the process works. And if you want to plug in other words, you can do that as well and just, just go through step-by-step step with the process. Wonderful. Well, we'll make sure that that uh, link is in the show notes as well. So, Shelley, thank you, darling. It's always a pleasure talking to you. So <laughs> I love being with you. I just kind of forgot we were doing 
I, I know, we're just chatting. <laughs> I was just being with you. It was so awesome. Uh, so thank you again. And, uh, and guys, I'll look forward to uh, chatting to you all again next week on the next week's podcast. Stay safe and stay healthy until then. And bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today. Now, if you enjoyed this episode and haven't yet subscribed to our podcast, please go ahead and do so on iTunes or Spotify or go to mindmovies.com forward slash podcast so you don't miss an episode. Now, remember, new episodes are released every Monday morning and we'd love to spread the word. So after you've subscribed, be a great girlfriend and pass it on to a friend who will enjoy this too. And don't forget to grab your official Not Over Just Different Welcome Pack. It includes some of the best tools for inspiring your best life, all completely free. Head over to notoverjustdifferent.com forward slash welcome gift to grab yours today. Until next time, remember it's not over, just different.